to see or not to see? That, according to Mark, is the question. Today we're finishing a section of Mark that began with the healing of a blind man and ends now in chapter 10 with the healing of another blind man. Do you see or don't you? That is the question. Three times in these three chapters, Jesus has revealed to the disciples plainly who he is and what he came to do. He's the glorious son of man that Daniel predicted in Daniel chapter 7. But he is also the suffering servant whom Isaiah spoke of in chapter 53 of his prophecy. Three times the disciples are blind and cannot see clearly who Jesus is and what he came to do. And their responses show that. The first time Jesus revealed who he was, Peter rebuked him. You're not going to die. Second time Jesus told them about his suffering, they, they all argued over who was the greatest. And then we saw last week, the third time he told them what he came to do. James and John wanted the best seat in the kingdom. And now here, at the end of this section, Jesus asks an interesting question twice. What do you want me to do for you? And my question is, what does that question have to do with seeing? And so we're going to look at the story of blind Bartimaeus today, but I want to back up to last week's uh, verses because Jesus asked that question twice. And um, I think Mark is intentional putting these two scenes together. So I'm going to back up to verse 35 in Mark chapter 10. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, We are able. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with, with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left hand is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And they came to Jericho. Jericho is about 18 miles from Jerusalem. So they're on this journey to Jerusalem. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, everyone's on their way to the feast of Passover, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he had heard 
that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately, he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would, by the power of your Spirit, open our eyes that we may see wondrous things in your word this morning. Open our eyes that we may see Jesus. And that will be enough. It's in his name we pray. Amen. What do you want me to do for you? If Jesus were to sit down with you at your kitchen table this morning and with kindness in his eyes look into yours and say, what do you want me to do for you? How would you answer him? Seriously, just close your eyes for a moment. Imagine Jesus sitting across the kitchen table from you and he looks at you and he says, what do you want me to do for you? What would you say right now? Kind of awkward, isn't it? I find that question disturbing, unnerving. As I sat with that question this week, my heart was all over the map. I found myself not able to answer him. I, you know, if Jesus asked me something like that, I'm sure my first response would be, uh, oh, um, nothing really, I'm good. Thanks, though. <laughs> but I would expect then Jesus to press me again. No, seriously. What do you want me to do for you? And I would say eventually, well, if you really want to know, and he would say, I really want to know. What do you want me to do for you? How much time do you have? And Jesus would smile and say, I've got all the time in the world. And then I would start to just unload on him. <laughs> want after want, desire after desire. Clearly, the Holy Spirit had Mark highlight this question for us. It's no accident that between these two scenes, the conversation with James and John on one hand and 
the healing of Bartimaeus on the other, right in those scenes, put side by side, they both feature this question from Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? You can't ignore it. So I was curious this week. So I asked Jesus, why would you ask this question? (laughs) Why would you ask us this question? And why would you bring Mountain Fellowship to Mark chapter 10 and ask us this question right in the middle of this COVID crisis? What's going on here? You, You don't do things accidentally. There is something that the Spirit wants us to consider about Jesus's question. And uh, I was frustrated this morning because I don't feel like I had enough time to really ponder this passage this week. But I want to share with you what, I, what I'm walking away with. That this question of Jesus both comforts and convicts me in the middle of this crisis. In the middle of my crisis. So what about crisis? Why now? Why Why would the Spirit have us in this part of Mark considering this question Jesus is asking during this COVID crisis moment in our story? So, as I looked at this passage, I tried to understand like I do whenever I'm trying to understand God's Word. Are the people in this passage experiencing anything similar to what we are going through that God wanted Mark to address or another way to ask it is is there something that we're experiencing that these people were experiencing that the Holy Spirit would want to address for us by what he's recorded in Mark and this is what I came up with John James and the other disciples were about to face the most life-altering crisis they had ever experienced And as as they were traveling to Jerusalem, Jesus told them what was going to happen in Jerusalem. Three times he told them. He would be handed over to the authorities, condemned by them, publicly humiliated by them, and killed by them. But then on the third day, he would rise from the dead. And they had to be thinking, if that were to happen to Jesus, then what's going to happen to us? Our lives would be completely undone. And I think that might explain why Mark said in verse 32 that we read last week, that as they were on the road going up to Jerusalem and Jesus was walking ahead of them, they were amazed. That It means astonished or alarmed. They were amazed and that those who were following Jesus were afraid. I, I didn't quite understand why he said that. But I think it's because they're... They're thinking about this. The closer they got to Jerusalem, the more there was this undercurrent of anxiety about what was going to happen there. Jesus had been telling them that he would be killed there. What would that mean for them? And right as they're anxious about what might be the most life-altering crisis they'd ever experienced, Jesus asked them, what do you want me to do for you? And what about Bartimaeus, the the blind beggar? He was already right in the middle of a life-altering crisis. At some point in his life, he had been struck with blindness. 
And this blindness left him jobless, poor, and literally pitiful. And all he could do was sit by the roadside and um, beg those who passed by to give him money. And he was probably ignored by them as much as we ignore the panhandlers in downtown Chattanooga when we're going to dinner or to a movie. And there he was on the side of the road begging. And Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? So I'm compelled to ask you, in the middle of whatever life-altering crisis you're going through, whether it's COVID or something else or a combination of the two, Jesus wants to know, what do you want me to do for you? He wants to know what you want. He wants to know what you want. And it's such a kind question for him to ask. He, he truly wants to know what we desire. And this is where I found comfort. I was comforted to see that Jesus is not bothered by all the desire rage in me. My wanting doesn't wear him out. James and John had something in common with Bartimaeus. All of them wanted, wanted something, and all of them boldly asked for what they wanted. Jesus already knew, of course, what James and John were desiring, and yet he still asked them, what do you want? And he, he, here's what's fascinating. He didn't condemn them for wanting. Yes, he's going to correct their desires, but, but notice that for right now, just notice that he didn't condemn their desiring. Years later, the other James, the brother of Jesus, would write these words in James chapter 4. You do not have because you do not ask. You do not have because you do not ask. So asking boldly for what you desire is not something that bothers Jesus. He, in fact, he likes it when we do that. He invites it. What do you want me to do for you? Now, I said that Jesus didn't condemn James and John for their answer to his question when they said, grant us to sit on your right and your left in your glory. He didn't condemn them. He didn't condemn their wanting, but he did correct their wanting. He redirected their desires. I saw that this week. I thought, well, then maybe that's why I don't ask boldly very often. I'm afraid he's not going to listen to me or like what I want. He's just going to correct me. And so, I, you know, it's like when you, you think about asking your parents for something, or your spouse for something, your boss for something, and you're like, eh, they're not going to listen to it. They're not going to like it because they're not going to want to do what I want. I'm not even going to ask what's the But I shouldn't do that with Jesus. That's what this whole scene is telling me. I shouldn't, I shouldn't be afraid to ask him and to want and to desire. He's not afraid of my desire. He built me to be a desiring person. How many times does Jesus say in the Gospels, ask whatever you wish in my name. Ask, 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 ask. Someone said, I read recently that 
in the New Testament, in the Gospels, it looks like Jesus' main description of prayer is ask. He told a parable about a nagging neighbor who, who needed bread for a visitor. He told that parable so that we would be persistent in prayer. He told another parable about uh, uh, a woman who wore out a judge with all her wishes. He told that parable so that we would be bold in our begging. And we should be bold, even though we know he's going to correct our desires. Why? Because he wants to purify our desires. He, he wants to shape and retrain our wants. Jesus wants us to become better wanters. <laughs> James, the brother of Jesus, in James 4, also said this. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. So there's two dangers when it comes to desires here. One danger is not bringing your desires to Jesus. You do not have because you do not ask. The other danger is desiring the wrong thing. You ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. But Jesus wants to show us how to ask rightly. He wants to reshape our desires how are we going to know how he will do that if we don't bring him the desires we already have? He doesn't want us to be afraid of our own desires. He's not afraid of them. And notice again how calm and kind and patient Jesus was with James and John. They were asking him boldly, yes, but wrongly, yes, to spend it on their own passions. They believe that to be great is to be served. But Jesus said, no, to be great is to know that I came not to be served, but to serve and to be like me. Jesus, in that moment, was lovingly, gently showing them not that their desires for greatness were too strong, but that they were too weak. C.S. Lewis says it so clearly he says if we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the gospels it would seem listen to this it would seem that our lord jesus finds our desires not too strong but too weak we are half-hearted creatures lewis says filling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by an offer of the holiday at sea, that's us. C.S. Lewis says, we are far too easily pleased. James and John were fooling about with ambition. Jesus wanted to offer them infinite joy. It's not that they desired, it's that they were far too easily pleased. So when we boldly bring our wants to Jesus, he doesn't dismiss our wanting as much as he deepens our wanting. He helps us to see that there's more to want than meets the eye. But that's why he so persistently asks us 
What do you want me to do for you? So that's at least one thing I'm taking away from this COVID crisis and this little piece of Mark's gospel. Jesus wants me to know that I'm a wanter. Jesus wants me to know what I want. He wants me to bring my wanting heart boldly before him. Jesus is not like Buddha and all those other Eastern religions and philosophies who say, wanting is bad. Empty yourself of every desire. No, Jesus doesn't condemn your wanting. But then Jesus is also not like our, our culture, which says, want whatever you want. Fill yourself with whatever you desire. No, Jesus will correct your wanting. He did it for James and John. So, so I ask myself and you, what have you been doing with your desires during this COVID crisis? Where have you been taking your desires? Have you been talking to him at all? Have you been boldly asking Jesus for anything at all? Sure, he, he may correct whatever desires you bring to him, but remember, you do not have because you do not ask. Don't stop asking. Be willing to have your wants corrected and redirected, purified and pointed in the right direction. Be willing to hear Jesus say, I love you, but you're far too easily pleased. There's more. And this is where I was convicted. I was convicted by what Bartimaeus wanted from Jesus. I'm going to read it again. As Jesus was leaving Jericho with his disciples in a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Compassion, it's pity for the pitiful. Have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him and they called the blind man saying to him take heart get up he, he's calling you he's calling you throwing off his cloak he sprang up does he know where to go yes he hears maybe in that direction but he doesn't care he springs up and he came to jesus and jesus said to him what do you want me to do for you and the blind man said to him rabbi let me recover my sight. Son of David, have mercy on me. I just want to see. I don't need anything else from you. Just let me see. I'm blind. I need sight. I'm a beggar. I need your pity. I need your mercy. If I could just see, Rabbi. And friends, what Mark is trying to show us is that while we, all, while we have all kinds of wants, what we need is to see. To see or not to see. According to Mark, that's the question. Do you want to see Jesus or don't you? That's the question. I've been convicted that, like the disciples, in the middle of my crisis, I've wanted mud pies in the slum when Jesus is offering me a vacation at the beach. 
He tried three times to get the disciples to see him. To see who he is and why he came. And Mark put those three clear pictures of Jesus in between the healings of two blind men to make this point to me. Jimmy, you want all kinds of things, but you know what I want? I want you to see me. I want you to want me. John and James didn't know that in just a few days' time they would see me for who I really am. They were making mud pies in a slum. They couldn't see the vacation at the beach yet. What would they see? They would see me crucified in the place of sinners, including them. They would see me raised to new life for the sake of sinners, including them. They would see me, and nothing else would matter more than that. Would they see crisis again? Yes, and again, you bet they would. They would drink the cup of suffering. They would be baptized with a flood of pain. But in their suffering, they would see me. And nothing else would matter. Jimmy Bartimaeus wanted me to open his eyes. And I did. And what would he see with those brand new eyes over the next few days and weeks? He would see the son of David condemned in his place, crucified in his place, raised to life to show him his grace. Would he see crisis again? Absolutely he would. He would suffer again. But in his suffering, he would see me. And nothing else would matter more. James, John, and Bartimaeus wanted mud pies in a slum, but I came to give them a vacation at the beach. And so I want you to be a bold beggar, Jimmy. Cry out to me and say, I want to see you, Jesus. Have mercy on me and just let me see you. What does Jesus want from us in the middle of this crisis, Mountain Fellowship? He wants us to be bold beggars. He wants us to see him. He wants us to want him. So may the cry of the heart of this church always be, we want to see you, Jesus. Have mercy on us and just let us see you. Father, that's the cry of our heart. We want to see Jesus. We want to see him. Just let us see him. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.